Working Dog Radio. Broadcasting the bite. We're super excited to have Ray Allen back on as a sponsor out in Colorado Springs. Be sure to use the discount code Working Dog Radio spelled out for your 10% off of your next order. RayAllen.com. It's not just for working dogs, guys. It's for all dogs and no sex offenders. True story. You guys have all heard us talk about it. Our favorite e-collars, dogsure.com. They got ball trainers. They got bark collars. They got the 1900S that we love. Ted, how do they get a discount? Go to dogtrue.com, just like it sounds. Use the discount code WDR10 for 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. I suggest the ball popper or the 1900S because I use a ton of both of those. But yeah, dogtrue.com. Our good friend Cameron Ford, we've had him on the podcast. We've been on his podcast. He's over there in Vegas now, silverstatek9.com. He's brought his scientific approach to detection work over there to Vegas, silverstatek9.com. All kinds of uh, detection and supervisory schools and everything else like that. Ted, what do you think of that place? It's awesome. I mean, Cameron is one of the most well-versed guys when it comes to the scientific approach and the detection work when it comes to finding bombs or drugs. He's one of the only guys, I think, that ever ran a dog in three states as a law enforcement officer if i remember correctly but yeah great facility great people great training uh hit them up silverstatecanine.com if you guys have seen ted and i posting pictures of these bad ass poker chips we got we got them for van s canine torchlight canine hrd working dog radio we get those from our friends at combat bet challenge coins ted talk about where they can get them and little discount combatbetbet.com use the discount code spelled out working dog radio and try before you buy with the sampler pack be sure to go to combatbet.com forward slash wdr and then plug in the discount code wdr and they'll send you a free sample pack of the ceramic coins and of the metal ones so you can choose which one you want We're super excited to have Horizon Structures on board as a sponsor of the podcast. They're a family-owned business, and they have quality customer service, and their pricing is super, super simple. In fact, if you head over to Horizon Structures, you can see the full gamut of their pre-made kennels, and they go from mild to, I would live in one of these things, wild. So, uh, Eric, (laughs) where can you find them? Horizonstructures.com. It's like a buffet for kennels and everything on that. Horizonstructures.com, or call them toll-free, 888 447-4337. All right, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite with, uh, I am Ted Summers uh, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and a very wintry one. Um, Eric with me uh, from Canton, Ohio, always. Eric, what's up going up in Canton? You got a handler school going on, eh? Uh, Yeah, I got a handler school with a guy. uh, It's only one guy in it. He graduates on Friday, takes his state certification, uh, he's actually in West Virginia on the border of Ohio, and they're they're doing an Ohio State certification because West Virginia has zero, nothing. Yeah. And uh, guess what? A lot <laughs> of those agencies down there, they just go along with that and yeah. just, just get a dog out of the pound, throw a vest on them, and fuck you, go police dog, <laughs> and it shows. An, so that's, um, an, that's another fucking episode altogether. <laughs> that's not yeah. what this episode is about. But, uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's uh, our, it's the dog Sax, you know. Sax yeah, was yeah. in your kennel for a little while, and yeah, he tried um, to bite me a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I not me. Sachs. Did not try to bite me. He's been awesome. <laughs> but uh, Sax is a killer, man. He's doing amazing work, and uh, so he graduates on Friday, and then we leave Sunday for Boston for another HRD seminar. That's right. We're gonna see Troy Casey and the kids in Boston. 
Um, I can't even do a fake accent. I'm, that's terrible. We're going to see Popsidero and uh, we'll see uh, Dan uh, Biebs Handler again and uh, all the kids up there. So it's going to be good. Uh, it's going to be busy. we got a full staff or a full crew. I think we're going to have 30 teams there. So it's going to be gnarly. Um, we got a good place to train, it sounds like. And then after that, we're going to what, Erie? Yeah, Erie County, New York in Buffalo. Yeah, Erie um, County, New York. Yep. We're training in the train station. Um, the big creepy old train station, which is going to be awesome. So, yeah. So, uh, what do we got going on tonight? Um, well, we are doing another great episode here. One of our buddies from the, uh, West coast. Why don't you talk about how, how big of a pain in the ass this has been to set this up? Well, so this handler, um, so I thought he was retired. Turns out he was like semi, uh, almost there. Um, and being retired means like if you're following him on Facebook or anything, aside from the stuff that he's posting his dog stuff, he's always doing like stuff with his granddaughter and jumping in the pool. And when you guys retire, I swear to God, it is like the hardest thing in the world to nail you dudes down. And, yeah, and you included, Eric. Not <laughs> shit. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, with us tonight uh, from LA County uh, is Daryl Gaunt. Daryl, how are you? I'm good, sir. How are you doing? Doing well. This is an episode I've wanted to do for a while, <laughs> and we keep doing like the whole ships passing in the night thing. So uh, I'm oh, stoked. Yeah. I'm finally stoked to have you on. And um, no, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I'm excited about uh, some of the stuff you're going to talk about. And uh, so, kind of with that, why don't you give us um, kind of like how you got into law enforcement, and then how you got into uh, canine? Sure. Okay. Uh, I started back in uh, like 1978. My uh, dad was one of the original Inglewood PD canine handlers. And Inglewood PD, if you guys have ever flown into LAX, that's Inglewood. <clears throat> so he uh, mm-hmm. got into canines and decided who would be a better decoy than his 14-year-old son, who would be dumb enough to put uh, a right. puppy sleeve <laughs> on and go hide in a bus yard and say, we'll come find you. So that's how I got started. <laughs> So, um, excellent. <laughs> I did that for, yeah, I did that for about two or three years. And then I decided to uh, go in the military. And of course I've got to go where my dad went. So I became a uh, military policeman in the army. I did, um, about nine years in the army and on my second enlistment, they offered me canine school. So I jumped at that opportunity. I became a, a canine handler for four years. Uh, went to Germany, did uh, four years in Germany with a patrol dog. Uh, got out in 91 and next, uh, evolution was, uh, LA County Sheriff. So in 91, I joined the Sheriff's department. I've been there. I'm still there. That's what we were talking about actually being semi-retired. Um, I, right. um, and now I'm out on an injury right now. I've got uh, two knee surgeries, two shoulder surgeries pending, but I'm halfway through. So by March, I should be retired and done. And actually get to go back to my my other my side business, but um, in my unit um, or in my department, we're kind of different than the mo- most uh, units in the country. Where our uh, canine unit is assigned to the SWAT team. All of our patrol dogs are SWAT dogs, and all of our uh, canine handlers are uh, sent to SWAT school uh, before they're sent to dog school. So you're actually a part of the SWAT team before you're assigned to dog. And all of our SWAT team and canine guys are basically a minimum of 12 years on the department before 
you're really considered to be picked up onto the teams. Damn. Uh, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's so, yeah. So that's it, definitely it different. Takes, it takes than, that's definitely while. different. Yeah. I mean, I that's like definitely well, different. On the, yeah. In the sheriff's department, we yeah, we all start in the jails. Um, it's a requirement. Um, and depending on, you know, personnel, strengths, and everything else, it takes anywhere from two to six years to get out of the jails. In my case, it took me six years uh, to get out. And it all depends on what stations you choose. If you choose, you know, like the faster, harder stations uh, down in south central L.A., things like that, you get out a little quicker. Uh, I had all the fastest stations I could get, and it still took me six years to get out to actual patrol. So that takes a big chunk of that. And then uh, we'd like to see um, five or six years of patrol experience, training officer, uh, some maturity before, because like I said, you're brought on to the SWAT team basically first and then given a dog. Um, so it takes, it takes a while to get there, but once we get there, here's the caveat. It's a lifetime position. You can stay there as long as you'd like, as long as you maintain the standards. Um, I'm currently working my third dog, and I've been there 15 years. So we're not one and done dog or, you know, a constant uh, turnover. So that's the nice thing about it. Wow. That is for it, sure so, different than it, the rest of the country. Right? I like it. Whoa. Yeah. Well, it's, it, yeah. it's very unique. And as we get into the way we deploy and stuff, it's going to be very unique also the way we, yeah. we do some of our deployments. So. Oh, I, I already have a bunch and of then, questions. Um, so. <laughs> and then about uh, – Ten years ago, um, we used Adel Horse uh, International uh, vendor out here on the West Coast, largest vendor out here. Right. Um, it's Dave and Mike Reaver, and we used them as our sole source vendor. So about five years into the unit, uh, I was graced with the opportunity to go to work for them part-time as a trainer, and I've been working for them for the last ten years also as a side job. So it's given me a lot of experience with a lot of different dogs and a lot of exposure. So that was that was a very cool opportunity. Yeah. So how old is Dave? <laughs> like, I mean, Dave I know you and Eric. Eighty. I eighty or eighty-one. <laughs> I know and, you and I know and you every, and <laughs> you and Eric are fucking old. But that's I feel eighty-one. <laughs> uh, and, no, I've seen videos of him working fucking dogs though at like eighty. He, however he old still he does is. It. Yeah. No, he I saw still something does it every every. Every class he takes bites from every dog, and every birthday he takes as many years as he is, he takes bites from that many dogs. Fuck, I hope I'm that gangster when he, I'm he, old. I just hope I can walk. Oh, he is. <laughs> oh, he is a stud. Dude, I, yeah. I will never have 80 no, he, dogs in my kennels. I would rather hang myself. <laughs> you, can, you can. Oh, God. Yeah. No, and, and uh, Mike just recently took over, but until last year, Dave was going on all the bite trips, and he goes every. Six to eight weeks, he goes to Europe and picks up another 30 dogs minimum. And he tests every single dog on the trips I've been with him in Europe. He'll let me do some of the running down the field and stupid young guy stuff. Right. But he wants to see every dog in a, in a house in a corner with a sleeve. He wants to, to test and challenge every dog. And oh, all he, the he stupid brings, young he guys. He brings it to it. Stupid young guy oh, stuff, yeah. and you're like three months from retirement. Which, so, <laughs> which is why that, which is why I'm getting all my surgeries. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, believe me, I am in that position as well. well. So, <laughs> my belief though is my, that's my favorite thing though is, and anybody that's worked with me knows I love catching dogs. That's that's where the business end is. That's where you know everything that the dog's thinking, feeling, doing, uh, how he's reacting if he if he's 
you know, calm on it. If he's, if he's nervous, you can tell everything by being in the bite suit or being on the ground with him. Oh yeah. No, believe me. I just tested a green dog today. We picked up from Houston. Uh, I got flown in and Alicia went down and picked him up and then drove him straight back. And he was in the kennel for about six hours before I pulled him out and made him start doing stuff. And he's fine. But, oh, believe me, I know, like, you know, I, I mean, working because he, he needs to then turn around and immediately go to work for a department. So I was like, well, you know, and the vendor we bought him from, you know, I. Uh, I kind of was like, you know, I need X, Y, and Z. And he said, oh, that's what's going to show up. So, and I know this guy really well, but still, I was kind of apprehensive. But yeah, so I didn't get to go over this time because we're so let's insane travel schedule. But yeah. Yeah. So let's back up a little bit. So when you start uh, and you're working in those jails, did that suck working in the jail? <laughs> okay. So, so a lot <laughs> of just, you guys to think me, yes. it would just suck. So here's the thing, though. It's all about your attitude and all the mentality. So I had already done, if you remember, I'd done nine years of the military um, as a military policeman. Now, it's not really exactly the same, but it's still the same. I still had the three o'clock in the morning last minute calls where you're standing in the rain and you got to go to the head and you can't leave and you're just standing there going, this sucks. You know, so it's not the Starsky and Hutch chasing bad guys through the streets of San Francisco pursuits every night type stuff. So a lot of the new guys thought it was all sexy like it is on TV. They wanted to get out there and start, you know, doing police work. I knew exactly what was waiting for me. So they're going to make me work eight hours a day. I get minimum overtime if I'm any over, anything over eight hours overtime. I get fed. I'm inside. I'm warm and I'm dry. After coming out of the military for nine years, I was in heaven. Hmm. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's probably and, gladiator school at some of those places. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny you say that. Uh, yeah, it is. It kind of is. It's 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 an eye-opening experience for a lot of people that don't have uh, world experience. You know, some of these kids are coming out, 21 years old, lived with mom, never been out on their own, never seen a street fight, never seen a riot, and it's an eye-opener working in the jails. It, it gives you an, uh, a different perspective when you actually go out to do police work in the field where you know where these guys are coming from and what they're talking about. And it also gives you an inside uh, scoop on their side because I can tell them, I know exactly where you're going when you go to in, into reception. I know the jail you're going to be in. I know the cell you're going to be in. I know the guy that's going to be guarding you. So don't make it hard for me. Yeah, so, yeah that's true. Uh, <laughs> so And you, here you always Ohio, got buddies that are back in the um, jail. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so here... Here in Ohio, the county jail, the county's sheriff's offices are, I mean, there's a few big ones. Summit County's probably got, for Ohio, big, probably like 500 dudes that work total. Uh, uh, probably 1,000 or a couple thousand down around Columbus and up in Cleveland, there's there's probably about the same. But, so, uh, but in Ohio, most of the bigger agencies have about 200 guys. Talk a little bit about, blow some minds here a little bit on the actual size of San Diego or of uh, L.A. County and, like, the sheriff's office and what a juggernaut that is to work at. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, and when you say blow their minds, that's exactly what happens every time I talk about these numbers. Um, so we have 10,000 deputies, actually oh, sworn deputies, for the sheriff's department. Yeah. Um Men's Central Jail, which was our main jail um, that I worked at for six years, at its height was holding 10,000 inmates. 
a day. So, and you've had anywhere between four to 600 deputies actually physically assigned for the four shifts. Um, we have 21 sheriff stations uh, throughout the county. Obviously we have any unincorporated areas in the county we're responsible for law enforcement uh, duties. And then we have contract cities where cities don't want to pay to have their own police department with retirement and um, all the, the different uh, monies that come with that. So they, they uh, contract to us. Um, any contract city obviously gets, you know, full airship uh, services, SWAT, canine, gang enforcement, everything like that. So we have a lot of, of cities that contract with us. Um, in comparison, LAPD has a, a similar number of uh, police officers, um, and they're just in the city, obviously. Uh, there's parts of the city like where I worked in uh, Century Station, which is South Central LA, uh, which is uh, considered an unincorporated area, although it's considered Los Angeles. It was never incorporated into the city way back, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. So we're responsible for those uh, jurisdictions. So in most of my uh, patrol life, I was a sister city to LAPD officers. So, and it, it, it's, it's a very large organization at any given time. That's kind of the thing. Uh, we had somebody from San Bernardino County, um, one of their search and rescue people on and like the scale of, or, well, the size of things out there. So a lot of the guys from the East coast, you know, we have a lot of handlers from the East Coast, and with the exception of the rural guys, when you're urban, like, a lot of those guys are on top of each other, right? You'll have a jurisdiction that's like, you know, 17 square miles, and they got like four dogs. And, you know, they're like, right. oh, man, we get to do all kinds of crazy shit and everything else. And then you look at, like, San Bernardino, Canada, or even L.A. Canada. I have a friend that works for um, Lockheed, Martin, and, um, you know, he's on the other side of the antelope. And, you know, they're in one of those unincorporated, unincorporated areas where they don't have a police department. They use L.A. County. So, you know, right. I don't know, like 15 years ago, I was out there. I'm like, where are the cops? He's like, oh, it's county. I'm like, yeah, but L.A. is like 60 miles from here, dude. Like, it's on the other side of the mountains. He's like, yeah, it's still a county. I'm like, holy shit. You know, you're out in the middle of freaking nowhere. And like, oh, yeah. it is like, you know, it is the... I don't know what, like the second largest metro, or I guess it's the largest metropolitan area in the country in North America. And you get outside of LA and it gets fucking weird, like really quick. Like you don't know, Oh yeah, you know, man, like it gets super weird, like really fast. Cause you know, and we were out there recently and I thought, you know, there's lots of law enforcement and everything else. No, <laughs> there's not <laughs> like it, it gets really funky. Like, you know, so I, that's a simple, that's a thing that I, I think a lot of like East coast and like central portion of the country guy, people don't get because like Eric was saying, you know, kind of in Oklahoma and Texas, like the, the sheriff's departments here, like run the jails and they're these, these political entities, but they're not these giant like law enforcement entities and we have departments here within these counties that have three and four police officers like they'll go ahead and yeah. they'll do that but <laughs> like where you guys are at and it's like no 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 we're not going to do that so it's a very different type of policing which is something we talked about with one of our other guests but um so you know well, if, you, you handle- if you if you put it to put it in perspective you've got it's uh four thousand square miles uh is what LA County encompasses. So that's God like damn. basically Delaware and Rhode Island together. 
Right. And we have 88 unincorporated cities plus all of our other areas, which is not counting, you know, the city of Los Angeles itself has uh, 5 million people, I think. uh, And the county itself has 35 million population. Right. And like you were saying, when you get outside of L.A., so for us, um, L.A. County, it's it's funny. Some guys look at my kid in my car and they're like, why do you have snow jackets in here? I go, (laughs) because L.A. County encompasses everything from the beach to the desert to a 10,000 foot mountain peak that has snow on it six months out of the year. And I may be called to search in any of those conditions at any given time. Um, we have, and the nice thing about our unit is we have air assets. So, um, our special enforcement bureau, which is what we're under has basically three separate entities, the canine services detail us, the special enforcement detail, which is SWAT and emergency services detail, which are, uh, SWAT paramedics. Basically they're SWAT or canine guys who got tired of pushing their bodies and getting beat up all the time. And they became paramedics. And now they go in with the teens as paramedics. They're still SWAT guys, but they're paramedics and they fly our choppers as crew chiefs and mobile, basically um, paramedics. They have an airframe, which we call Air 5, which can deliver us anywhere in the county within 40 minutes. Because, you know, traffic out here, it is not uncommon for me to get a Code 3 call that takes three and a half hours to get there in traffic. Code three, three and a half oh hours. God. I'm ready. I'm ready to eat my gun at the end of the code three run. Yeah. yeah. Um, the longest one I've ever had was about three and a half car. hours. <laughs> no, but my dog wanted to yeah, chew get, it off. I would by stop and get out and shoot my. Oh. <laughs> at, at some point, the traffic's so bad, <laughs> you actually just turn the siren off and just have your lights going and use your horn as you need it. I mean, sometimes the traffic's just so bad. Oh but God. the nice thing is, we have the air asset where they can pick us up from anywhere in the county and deposit us within 45 minutes. And yeah. we've done that many times for, you know, things like officer-involved shootings, things like that where they need to get assets in place now. Yeah, one of our... Uh, it's kind of uh, unique. One of Alicia and I's good buddies is uh, one of the LASD uh, helicopter pilots. And, um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, they're they're really, really good. <laughs> and Those guys are it, studs. Yeah, I'm telling you what. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, they're no joke. He's, he's, uh, yeah, no, he, uh, yeah, we've, uh, we've, yeah, no, he's, he's really good. And, you know, he, he's kind of told us, uh, you know, about some of the shit that has happened about how, you know, all of a sudden they're like, you know, we got to transport canine or we got to transport paramedic from here to here. And it's because of traffic. And I'm like, well, I mean, helicopters is the way to go. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. And no- I'll tell you what, there's nothing, there's nothing more comforting than having the helicopter come overhead. And hearing a familiar voice, because most of those guys we've worked patrol with, you know, because right. it's funny, in 30 years, you would think you'd be so spread out that you'd never see the same guy twice. But there's a core group yeah. of guys that kind of, levit- you know, they kind of go in the same direction. And we all end up ending up at these units together, like South Central LA or Men's Central Jail at the, at the big jail or at Special Enforcement Bureau, you know, at SWAT Team, um, right. Arrow and all that. And it's nice to hear that company voice that you talk to in a radio car over the headset going, okay, I've got your guy. He's 30 feet to your east. Stand by. Moving now. It's really nice to hear that, knowing that's the guy that I, I worked a radio car with, and he's guiding me into the dude I'm looking for. 
Yeah, and you know, the last time I was there, uh, he was telling us that um, Sheriff's Department has, I guess, two helicopters all the time. Like, they're on station all the time, and then I guess the, the count or the city has one on all the time, and then there's a special intelligence one or something that is up all the time. Yeah, they've got, yeah. we've got more out, air assets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, there are, so there's like a shitload of helicopters up all the time. So, and, yeah, and that's and, the funny part. There's, no, there's no lack of work, that's for sure. <laughs> no, there's not. But And that's the hard part, too. When I first started teaching, when I started my business, um, and I'm teaching SWAT canine tactics, and I'm teaching e-call, and I'm going to these different places and all over the country, and I go, yeah, you know, I've got a five-man uh, SWAT team as my backup, or I've got five canine guys, and I've got an airship, and I've got FLIR, and I've got night vision, and guys are like, uh, i got Bubba and a shotgun. And That's a flashlight. what I search with. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. i got I'm a flashlight, like, bro. Holy crap. Okay. <laughs> So, and that's, as as we talk about things, sometimes I get a little bit over involved in the stuff that we have. And the nicest thing, the nice eye-opening thing is teaching around the country, guys will tell me how to think outside the box, such as armor. When we talk about armor, I go, yeah, you need a piece of armor. You need to, you know, because we have three pieces of armor at any call, no matter what, three pieces. There's six of them sitting in our parking lot at any given time. So we're blessed. But the guys don't have armor, I go, uh, do you guys have armored vehicles that like take money from banks? Yeah. Get, get to be good buddies <laughs> with a 24 hour dispatcher. Yeah, use it. Use a garbage truck. Use a fire truck. You can use all kinds. Of, and then, um, I was teaching in uh, Northern California where they have a lot of snow and they use the Caltrans trucks, those big, like five oh, yeah, ton with the, with the snow plow in front. Yeah. Yeah. With, and sand in the back. They just use those. They pull in front of the guy. You ain't going nowhere past that, pal. No. So I was like, no, you that's de- awesome. No, no, definitely not. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there, there's a lot of people listening to this right now that are like, holy shit, these guys have everything. And I'm like, oh, it is the most populated area in the country. So, I mean, it's kind of like one of those deals. I mean, you know, Eric and I did a SWAT course with um, our buddy from the D.C. metro area, um, Aaron, uh, Aaron uh, from Ridside. And, you know, they're on some pretty active SWAT teams that are close to the, to the um national capital and they get all kinds of cool shit because of where they are not because of population or right. anything else but because you know they're super close they get all kinds of cool stuff but they talked about grants and some other things but no I'll so tell you what, though, te- technology can be defeated though technology uh, can be defeated as much stuff as we had we've had guys that have held us at bay for 30 hours because they just don't want to give up and it eventually it's like okay well there's no rush to go in there it's just him and our brass isn't going to tell us to go in if he's not doing anything except waiting. So you just wait him out. As much technology as you have doesn't yeah. defeat people. Yeah. So, um, you so know, back, you, so I, real quick, I yeah, got hired yeah. as a police department in 1996. And when was that you, Ted, that just made that noise? I coughed. That, psh, wow, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> no, I coughed. You should have blamed me. I'm the new guy. 1996. You should have blamed me. I'm the new guy. You could have you totally got I that. I coughed off mic. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I thought it was you gasping. Um, no, I, I was coughing. No, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I, I got hired in 1996, and while we were kind of – I had already been through the police academy, and before we got cut loose with our, you know, training um, – shift training guys and stuff, the – City, our unit, our canine unit hosted a um, USPCA national event. And um, at the event, uh, the uh, LASD um, 
S the Special Enforcement Bureau was there with dog guys, putting guys through uh, rappelling, uh, dog rappelling right. or rappelling yep. off the building through the elevator shaft. So back, so we're talking 1996. They were assigned to the SWAT team. Then, when when did that start? Has it always been that way there? So it goes back to about 86, 87. Um, we had we had uh, had uh, what's called resident deputies because some of our areas are pretty remote. Um, we have like Catalina Island is across. You know, you hear about Catalina Island? It's mm-hmm. 26 miles out. There's a resident deputy there. That's our responsibility. Um, our whole northern area above our mountains is all desert, the upper Antelope Valley. And there's places out there that you can go two, three hours driving and never see a house. So we have a resident deputy there. We had a resident deputy up in the mountains. So we started the dog program with the resident deputies. Um, the department liked them so much, they decided, hey, let's, let's add to this program. So they started adding to the program and add, actually added more patrol dogs in. Once the program got up and running in the mid-'80s, uh, LAPD and us about the same time started using dogs in uh, SWAT integration. We thought, let's try this, see how this works. Well, it worked so well that the department decided, you know what, we're not going to have dogs assigned to certain geographic areas anymore. We're going to take all of our dogs and we're going to make them all centralized under the Special Enforcement Bureau with the SWAT team. And then we'll just dole them out to the patrol stations as they need them. And we've been doing that ever since. Um, That's why sometimes it takes me three hours, code three, to get to a call because we're all centralized. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can patrol anywhere in the county that we want during our shift, but normally we localize towards the more um, urban areas. So when we get that call out in the middle of nowhere, it takes us a while to get there. Um, in mid-'80s, they established a full-time centralized canine unit assigned to SWAT. Uh, there were a lot of growing pains those first, you know, 10 years, basically. It, it was still, there were still some growing pains when I got there. Um, and I, I got there in uh, 2003. There were still some, you know, hey, you're SWAT or you're not. Hey, you're canine or you're not, you know. Um, there was a lot of bumping heads. Uh, I like to think that my group that came through about the same time I did started going, no, we, we really want to be canine guys. We'll learn all the SWAT stuff, but we want to be canine guys. We want to be a, a, an asset to your team, not a deficit. We're not trying to be door kickers. We're not trying to, you know, take your jobs. We're not trying to, you know, walk around cool for the girls. I'm a leash holder. And that's the funniest part is when I, when I teach my SWAT class, I tell all my canine guys, I go, stop walking around like you're anything but a leash holder. That's what you are. That's your specialty. I don't ask a sniper to come down and breach a door for me. That's not his job. His job is to stay on the scope. The canine handler, your job is to stay with that dog and find a bad guy and give us time and distance to the team. If you can have this magic tool that you go to the SWAT team commander and go, hey, he's in that closet in that back bedroom, and then walk out of the house and go, see you later, guys. You're, you're golden. That's mm-hmm. what I strive yeah. to teach my new guys. Be, be the tool that they can reach into their tool bag and pull you out, and you be ready to deploy and do what they need you to do, do it to the best of your ability, and then get out of their way and let them do their SWAT stuff. So we have evolved this whole SWAT canine program into a very, very unique uh, team. 
We don't we don't see the headbutting anymore. We don't see anything. We have SWAT guys. It's funny when we we uh, go to different training scenarios. And they'll put on, you know, a scenario, and first thing the SWAT guy asks for is, hey, can I have canine? That makes me very, very happy. That makes me warm and fuzzy yeah. inside. When I hear a SWAT yes. guy going, I need a canine. And then when I tell him, sorry, you get no canine on this call, he goes, damn it. <laughs> that makes me happy. That makes me know I'm doing my job well, yes. and I'm becoming an invaluable asset for him, not a deficit. You know, right. you can't have dogs that are barking, making noise, biting teen guys, out of control, no recall. You can't have these things. You've got right. to be able to be an asset to it. And when I talk about team environment, a lot of guys go, well, that's SWAT team, you know, this is patrol. To me, and this is what I tell my new guys too, because I teach the SWAT school also. I teach these SWAT guys, there's no difference between you and a regular patrolman except push-ups and hair product. That's the only difference. <laughs> Am I lying? Wait, wait. Am I lying? I'm a SWAT guy. I can say that. That's not a lie. Eric is too. Yeah, you can. So, <laughs> there, there you go. I'm telling there you, you push up the SWAT product you got. But what I honestly tell them is training. We were all rookies at one time. We were all regular patrol guys. The only difference is we got more training. We got more experience. We got, we got better at our jobs. So I try to teach my, my patrol guys. They go, yeah, well, that's the you know, LA County SWAT guys. You know, you got that. No. You can teach your regular patrol guys to do the same thing that the LA County SWAT guys do or LAPD SWAT guys do or Ohio SWAT guys. We're all the same cops, just some of us are better trained. So I try to teach my, my patrol guys, hey, this is what you need to do for your canine guy. This is what your canine guy can do for you. And it, it, it really, really opens some guys' eyes, I, I believe. Excellent. Uh, we're going to take a break yep. for just a second. Oh, I like it. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about that and kind of talk about how uh, you do a lot of stuff with like, you know, teaching dogs to be neutral backing officers and all that kind of stuff, which I, I want to talk about, but it's super important. We'll be back in just Absolutely. a second when we pay some bills. So uh, hold up. We'll be back. Okay. So probably my favorite product, one that actually really delivers what they say has been quick term by vet care. We use it on uh, all kinds of dogs in our kennels. It's it's fast-acting wound care for all species of animals. You can use it on yourself. Dad and I both have done it. We got yep. cut. We got a lot of people doing it. We get a lot of testimonials on our social media from people showing pictures of what they've done with their dog. It's Quick Derm by Vet Care. Ted, talk about discount codes and where to find it. Yeah, if you go to vetcare.us and use the discount code 10WDR, you get 10% off your first order, and there's rumors that she upgrades the sizes, too, if you use that. So that may happen. It may not. You never know. But yeah, it it keeps small things from becoming big things. Uh, So get some and toss it in your bag. It's temperature stable, so you don't have to worry about it cooking or freezing up in the patrol car. But yeah, vetcare.us. We love our partners down in Florida at Southern Coast Canine. We love Bill and Peggy Heiser. And of course, Danny Cornier, who's their right-hand man, is one of our favorite people as well. They do a fantastic job of selecting green dogs and training them up and getting patrols, handlers through patrol schools. And they also have a list of decoy schools and a full gamut of detection seminars as well. Eric, where can you find them? SouthernCoastCanine.com. That's a letter K, the number nine.com. Give them a call at 877-903-903 dogs. I can tell you this, every seminar that we've been at where there's been Southern Coast Canine Dogs, they've all been solid. Every True. single one of them, never have to worry about it. We get right to work. SouthernCoastCanine.com. I've been dying to get this company on as as a sponsor for the podcast, Horizon Structures. You go to their website and check it out. They have got some of the neatest things you can build for a kennel. Why do all the work yourself? 
Have somebody else do it. They will set it up at your location delivered anywhere in the continental U.S. Uh, Ted, talk about their website real quick. Yeah, it's horizonstructures.com. And if you go over and check it out, you can see the list of choices, which is almost mind-boggling for everything from the outside to the inside. And you can go from completely mild and unfinished on the inside to completely decked out like a surgical suite with stainless steel, everything and heated floors and anything you can think of in between. And the big thing that you mentioned is they deliver anywhere in the United States and they set it up. So when it's set up, when they drop it off, you can put dogs in it immediately that day. And uh, yeah, saves a ton of time, but hit them up. Horizonstructures.com. 888-447-4337. They have an on-staff engineer that walks you through the entire process from start to finish, which is excellent customer service, which makes it much, much easier to get back to what you do well, which is training dogs. Yep, we just finished up the uh, hits uh, interviews and got them posted up from Chicago. Uh, Next year, we're going to be doing the same thing, except Eric and I are also going to be instructing and bringing our unique brand of scenario-based training to the masses there, and it will be the masses in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's going to be the 18th through the 21st of 2020. Uh, hits K9, letter K number nine dot net is where you're going to go find all the information to get signed up. So, Eric, what did you think? What do you think is going to happen? Oh, I, I loved it. You know, Hits is the biggest and the best. They have the most handlers that come there. So, like, if you're a company that's wanting to be a vendor, you will not reach any more people in this business than it hits. 1,200 people. A lot of people like me have never really been to Scottsdale and Phoenix. I I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be in August, but they got air conditioning like crazy. Yeah, 1,200 handlers and 100-ish vendors. Yeah, they make it. They don't oversell the vendor thing, too. The ratio is very appropriate. So if you're a vendor and you're looking, get on to hitsk9.net or call Jeff Baird at 863-529-5113. Hits, the letter K, the number 9.net. Yeah, it's no secret that Eric and I use a lot of equipment around the kennels at Van S and at Torchlight. Uh, so for e-collars and ball popping stuff, I use Dogtra. I use the 1900S hands-free and their ball trainer, which is a popper and a dropper. I think I've got like six of those things now, and they're all on one remote. So I hide them in our cars and on our buses, and I hide them in places inside the detection building. So we have like six stations that we run the dogs on. Super, super clean way of doing it, and uh, I modify mine with magnets so I can stick them anywhere. Uh, my handlers like the 1900S because they're they're putting the button on their plate carrier so they don't have to mess with a uh, handheld remote and manipulate that at the same time. But uh, Eric, where do you get this stuff? Go to dogtrut.com. Don't forget to use your discount code as WDR10. That is all caps, WDR10. 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. Take a look at that new 3500X. It's their new uh, two-dog system for trainers. I'm telling you, it's the best two-dog system I've ever seen out there. Dogtra.com, WDR10 for 10% off a single item over 200. Some of our favorite people are, are out there in North Carolina, Highland Canine Training. Full gamut services, everything from green dogs, finished detection dogs, finished patrol dogs, all the way up to seminars, whatever you need there, full service facility. You can hit them up at Tactical police canine training.com yep we love those folks down there their website tactical police canine training.com is so easy to navigate around and see everything that they have they have uh, teams from all over the world that come there to train there tactical police canine training.com challenge coins seem to be like currency in the canine industry everybody has them and everybody trades them and everybody collects them so the guys over at combat bet 
make some really, really nice metal ones and they make some really, really nice poker chip ones. Um, if you've ever seen Eric and I in person, you've gotten some of these and I've got some for Torchlight. He has some for Van S. We have them for Working Dog Radio and HRD also. Uh, they do a great job and they're super high quality and the print on them is phenomenal. In fact, if you want, you can contact them. They'll send you sample packs so you can see exactly what it is and they'll help you with all the artwork too. Eric, where do you get them? We get them at combatbet.com. That's combatbet.com. They have a discount code for us. It's Working Dog Radio, all spelled out in capitals. Working Dog Radio. And if we see you in person, you better have one in your pocket because I'm going to drop one on you and you're going to owe me a beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love our partnership with rayallen.com. They've been doing business, ethical business, rayallen.com. They've got everything you need to know for uh, all dogs, not just, not just working dogs. You guys that are training pets and training police dogs or, or have pets, check them out, rayallen.com. Ted, there's a way for them to get a discount, correct? Yep, you go over there and you use the discount code Working Dog Radio for 10% off of your next order. They've got the Tricos gear, they've got vet care stuff, they've got some of the Working Dog dry goods muzzles and their own muzzles. They have that new rad harness that they just came out with, the Nomad, that everybody seems to be loving. Um, some of my guys are using it right now, one of the prototypes, and he's already had some, uh, some good work in it. So RayAllen.com, use the discount code Working Dog Radio for 10% off your next order. All right, we're back, and we were just talking about SWAT dog things uh, with the guy from L.A. County, Daryl. Um, so you were talking about how um, you know most of your guys are jails first, and then they go to patrol, then they go to canine, and canine is under special operations, which or your special enforcement bureau, which is all your SWAT dudes. And that's where those dogs are distributed. And it has to do with the makeup of L.A. County, and it has to do with the city and everything else. Um, so talk a little bit about how the deployments differ um, with a normal patrol dog. Because a lot of the people that are listening to this are patrol guys, um, kind of like Eric's guys and my, my guys. Like, you know, I have a lot of guys that are also SWAT, um, but they're patrol first and then they're assigned to SWAT or Marshall's Task Force or whatever. Um, but your right. dudes are SWAT first and then they're patrol second. So talk a little bit about how um, that differs for like the deployment stuff and how the dogs are used in a patrol aspect versus, you know, what is probably the norm in the rest of the country. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I said, we're very unique. We're very blessed. So, uh, the way it works with us, so all 12 of our dogs, we have 12 dogs assigned. Those are the only patrol dogs in the entire, uh, sheriff's department. Wait, so um, LA County has team- LA County as a whole only has 12 dogs, patrol dogs, Patrol dogs. Okay. So our yeah, our dogs are, are single purpose. So our department's really weird about this. It's not like uh, most departments. So all of our bureaus have their own dogs. So narcotics bureau has dope right. dogs. Uh, SWAT oh, okay. we have all the patrol dogs. Uh, arson explosives has all the bomb dogs. Then we have transit services, which has all of our trains and all that. They have bomb dogs for the platforms and the trains and all that. And they have like 30 dogs just for that. Um, we have a separate uh, bloodhound programs, but each of these dog programs are under their own uh, unique bureau. Right. So it's not like a combined canine bureau. Gotcha. So a lot of times guys ask, how many uh, dope dogs do you guys have? And I'm like, I'm not sure. I can give you a rough <laughs> estimate. And I can give you a guy's, a guy's name. Mm-hmm. But they're like, well, don't you know? No, I, we're so big, and they do their dope stuff, and I do my bite stuff, and that's it. 
So we're kind of unique like that. All patrol dogs, though, have to qualify for SWAT dogs. So we don't have some of the dogs are SWAT qualified, some aren't. They all have to qualify for SWAT, which means we have a fairly uh, extensive training program and washout rate for our dogs. Because all 12 dogs have to be able to be calm, neutral, social. They also have to uh, engage man on their own for a sustained uh, amount of time. They have to be neutral to flashbangs, automatic gunfire, uh, helicopter deployments, you know, a, a whole you know, laundry list of stuff. And if you get six weeks or eight weeks or eight months into the training, all of a sudden the dog shies away from the helicopter, we got to wash that dog and start again. So we're very, very specific in our training. Um, like I said, we, we're a sole source vendor for Adler Horse, and uh, Dave and Mike Reaver have been really good to us. Um, the nice thing is they know we're giving these dogs a lot of good training. So even if we wash a dog because he wouldn't jump out of the helicopter, they can obviously you know give that dog to a department that doesn't jump out of helicopters, and the dog's going to have all the prior training also. Right. Um, after a after a six week uh, handlers course, well, I'm sorry, let me back up. So our guys go to SWAT school, they get qualified, they spend six months on SWAT team as a new guy, an FNG. Um, basically, your vehicle guard and cleaning all the all the burn safes. Once you get to your six months, the team guys go yes or no. Either you're good to go, and you can go to the canine uh, and get a dog, or no, you're uh, not a good team fit, and we're going to find a new job for you. So once you get a uh, thumbs up from the team guys, that's why we, we don't have so many butting head problems anymore because the team guys have already accepted us as canine guys, as SWAT guys first. Then they're going to send us to canine school and get a dog to add to the tool bag. So then we go to Adler Horse. We go through a six-week handler course with Adler Horse. And then we bring that handler back. And then my partner and I uh, will do anywhere between six to eight weeks of training with him and the dog, uh, six to eight hours a day, four days a week. And that's when we get into the bread and butter of uh, what we really need from these dogs. We don't like to give dogs bites on a bite suit. Once they come out of Adler Horse, which is like – Gladiator School Bite Fest. Once they come out of uh, dog school, we don't like to give them a bite unless it's helicopter deployment, flashbang, something heinous where we really want to make it a really happy experience. Everything else is either civil, muzzle, or undercover sleeve. So these dogs are not getting uh, fixed on equipment. After six to eight weeks of working with the dog and the handler, getting them up, getting them into Team dynamics, SWAT integration, neutrality to gunfire, neutrality to uh, flashbangs, helicopters, making sure they're ranging out, searching on their own. Then we start letting them deploy, limited deployments. So limited deployments for us, uh, we're a find and bite agency. So, and we, when I, when I go over our deployment criteria, guys cringe sometimes because we do a minimum of 20 to 30 minutes worth of announcements over a PA, which is a uh, pre-recorded CD that we have in our uh, units that go over the PA, English and Spanish. Uh, we have to do a minimum of 20 minutes around the perimeter. Uh, then we also have a multi-million dollar stereo system that they paid for for our helicopters that are overhead to do the same exact announcements. Then we have to door knock every single house we go to to tell them who we are, what we're doing, and go in the backyard and make verbal announcements again. So it's very 
time intensive, labor intensive. But once we release the dog, basically we're saying under Graham versus Connor and everything else that you had your chance to give up. And if the dog finds you, he will bite you. And I'm smiling um, while I say this, but how many people don't hear that? <laughs> so most of them don't hear it. And this is, so this is, this is post bite. Yeah, Most people say, <laughs> we ask them, why didn't you come out? And they go, oh, I didn't hear you. Okay, well, <laughs> so as a minimum, this is why we do all the announcements and make it so labor intensive. Yeah. Whatever house we bit him in that backyard, we contact those residents on tape. Did you hear the announcement? Oh, God, yeah, you guys woke me up and kept me awake for the last 40 minutes. Then we go on either side of the house. We get those people. Same thing. They say, yeah, we heard the announcements, English, Spanish. You guys did it over the PA. You yelled and screamed at my back door. And then we get the people behind it. So all these people, I have eight different witnesses that all say they heard it from inside their house with their TVs on or dead asleep. But you hiding in a bush 15 feet from me didn't hear it. The only kind of hard didn't to hear it was the guy that got bit. <laughs> right. So, and we, right. when we first started our program, we had a lot of lawsuits. And we were paying a lot of, a lot of money out, you know, back in the mid 80s and early 90s. And that's when we established this program. And knock on wood, um, since I've been there, we haven't had a payout like we had back then. It's all it's all been settlements on, you know, accidental bite. We bite someone, you know, oh, right. the homeowner came out when we told them not to, things like that. But as far as losing to suspects, we haven't lost right. since I've been there. You know, and that's so, a big deal. But, um, like in, in our patrol schools, and I know Eric does the same thing. Uh, we teach third-party announcements, too, and I yell at guys all the time. I'm like, you're a canine handler, not a canine announcement maker. And if you have containment, like, have somebody at the back door. If you're at the front, make the NF, make the announcement. Tell them. Yeah. Like, it ain't hard. Absolutely. It's three elements. <laughs> like, tell them who you are. Tell them what you want them to do. And if they don't do it, they're going to get bit. And, yeah. you know, and for guys that are on small departments, I mean, I have guy, I have dogs in departments that are tiny and I say, you know, they may be working with a trooper and a city guy and another county guy or shit recently, a fish and wildlife guy. And my deputy mic'd it so that he had all three announcements. And then he was like, you know, telling somebody else, hey, make an announcement here. And of course, the guy that got bit didn't hear it. Uh, but, you know, right. I mean, it was on record as being done. But, you know, if you don't have a bazillion dollar budget like L.A. County does, you can still do things as a small agency to make sure you've got yourself covered so you don't get yourself in uh, in trouble like you guys did in the 80s. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, well, that's another pet peeve of mine. You know, some of my new guys, they're like, hey, we made so many announcements. Why, why do I have to do another verbal? I go, well, two reasons. Number one is sometimes guys don't believe us that we're going to bring a dog in this backyard. They hear a car driving around or a helicopter, they don't believe you. But then when you tell a jury, and only that, but I did a verbal announcement at the back gate, 10 feet from the guy, that the guy could actually hear, because that's another pet peeve of mine, is dogs barking during announcements. I understand uh, yeah, you yeah, want to make yeah. your dog bark to let them know there's a dog there. Cool. Then you have a Giblau command and a still command. But barking during your announcement doesn't help, because then the guy's got the defense, well, all I heard was a barking dog. Pet peeve of mine. But off, the, off, off that soapbox. No. So anyway, so then right. after 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 <laughs> six to eight weeks um, with the handler, we're we're letting them do limited deployments on uh, stolen car suspects. Which for LA County, we're only allowed to deploy on the driver. He has to be an adult. It can't be uh, like a, 
an embezzled car, like a car rental or something like that. It has to be an honest stolen car. And uh, someone has to be able to identify the driver 100%. That's our criteria because of well, being fine and bite and being in the most litigious city in the, in the world. Yeah. Um, after they get one or two bites on uh, either burglary suspects or car uh, thieves, then we'll give them the next step up, um, which will be a man with a gun call. You know, guys, guys seen running with a gun. Okay. This is your next step after three, four, five bites, dogs doing what he's supposed to do everything else. Then we'll give him what we call, he'll be plus comitatus for the team. We'll tell the team guys, okay, he's a team dog. Now, now he can go out on SWAT deployments. Now he can go to warrant services. Now he can be deployed in the stack with the team. Now we've been teaching that the entire time with the dog since day one. Going in says we've got a bunch of canine guys that are wearing the same equipment as the SWAT guys because we're, we're part of the team. They're SWAT guys. But when the, right. yeah, when the dog makes a mistake and tees off on one of, the, one of the SWAT team members, it's not a SWAT guy, it's a canine guy who goes, hey, phooey, don't do that. You're not allowed. And we don't lose any ground with the SWAT guys because nothing makes the SWAT guy more nervous than having a dog grab a hold of one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yes. and that's, that's the other thing, too, we teach for our neutrality, which is it's, it's, uh, it's funny when I teach my school and I te- tell people this, they go, oh, my God, I've never heard of this. So hopefully your, your listeners um, have heard this, and if not, hopefully this will help them. The way we teach uh, team neutrality is we'll put the dog in a muzzle. Well, let me go back a little bit. First of all, we never uh, teach the dog just because you're in a muzzle, it's going to be a muzzle fight. So we do obedience in muzzle, we put a muzzle on him, help him drive around in the car, we take a soccer ball out on the field and we put a muzzle on him and we'll kick the soccer ball and let him chase the soccer ball around for 30 minutes. So the muzzle is now neutral to him. The muzzle doesn't mean, hey, whoever you run into the next, you get a, you know, kick the shit out of. So once the muzzle neutral, the dogs understand it. Now we put him in a muzzle, we put him in a team environment and we start encroaching and crowding the dog and pissing him off and stepping on his toes or stepping on his tail or pissing him off until the point he tries to muzzle punch one of us in the group. The second he muzzle punches one of us in the group, the entire group collapses on him like a pack and doesn't, you know, body slam him, but basically just taps him on, on the back or the haunches or the head and yells fooey at him. The entire pack collapses on him. So now the dog goes, holy shit, what just happened? Sorry, I apologize. He tips his hat to us and goes, wait a minute. Every one of you just corrected me for doing that. Not just dad. So in a dog's mind, just like in a pack, everybody who is above him in the pack is allowed to correct him. So now the dog understands within one or two evolutions, everybody that you're surrounded by is above you in the pack. And when, when I got taught this 15, 16 years ago, I was like, eh, it sounds kind of hokey. I'm here to tell you, the shit works. And that's how we run around at full speed in the dark with night vision and these dogs off leash and they don't tag us. That's a huge deal. And that's something that Eric and I talk about all the time. And Ray at our HRD stuff is um, cover neutrality, right? So, you know, getting patrol guys used to the fact that if they've got other people there that, you know, you're a canine handler, you're not, you know, you've got nine other dudes there or however many, 
with lethal, you don't need to have your gun out. I promise. And yeah. you know, you don't need to, you <laughs> don't you need go. to be, you don't need to be yelling. Another, the 10th voice is not going to change somebody's mind. I promise you that you need to be talking to the dog and worrying about the dog and the dog needs to not be redirecting on somebody. If you send them into a vehicle and assuming they know how to get into a vehicle, they shouldn't turn around and be like, well, I can't get in. So I'm going to go bite this dude instead. And this entire like skill set that is kind of, um, not really taught or as a lot of guys aren't exposed to. Uh, because normally, like patrol guys, um, like for normal selection for law enforcement, most canine handlers are um, senior, like patrol guys. Uh, they're not SWAT, uh, and I say senior relative to the department. So you know they've been there for an amount of time, and then once the, there's a call for a dog, then they are kind of like by default, unless some sergeant shows up. Um, that they're running the call, like they're saying this, that, and the other. And even if they're not, if it's multi-agency, like my guys here, like in the middle of Oklahoma where, you know, one of my guys had a bite where they bit three people in a row in one call. And they had two fish and wildlife, wow. two county, one trooper, two city, and two, or no, two county. It was like six dudes, right, for containment and everything else. But it was six people and one wow. dog hunting three people. And my handler was like, it was a complete shit show. It wasn't a shit show. But he was like, you know, I had to tell them this and this and this and this and this and this. This is what the dog's going to do when he does this. I need to do this and this and that and the other, right? And some of these guys, like one of the yeah. troopers, have been around for quite a while. And so at that point, it's like, well, we don't train together. We know of each other. And all of a sudden, it is completely different than, like, what you're talking about. So, you know, one of the things that Eric always talks about, too, like, when guys go into this team environment, like, canine handlers have a huge problem converting to, I'm just a handler. I'm just a leash holder. So, right. You know, and so that's one thing that we preach during HRD is that the dogs need to be neutral to cover all the time. Like, you got to train with backing officers. If you're, if you're in a department where you're an FTO and you're a canine handler and they got to ride around with you for a week, like they, they need to learn that the dog is not going to fucking oh, tag yeah. him or he shouldn't. So I mean, it happens. But yeah. So if you're listening to this, work on cover neutrality. That's a big deal. Like <laughs> your dog should not be biting your back up guys. If they get in the way, well, like, it's one of the fucking marshals and they, the U S marshals and they get in the way, it's their fault. But like, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, train with your backup guys. And, and that happens. Yeah, that happens. And when you usually, when the guy does that, he actually turns around and goes, yeah, that was stupid to do that. Yeah, it was. I mean, <laughs> yeah. okay, we're good. But yeah, just standing there next to me when I do announcements and the dog gets frustrated and tags you. Yeah, it's not acceptable. Uh, One of the other things I, I like, uh, so a lot of my guys that I teach, uh, say, well, we don't work with the SWAT team. I go, well, that's fine. I don't, that's not a big deal. You're still, working with patrol guys, you're still doing the same jobs and you never know because if you guys uh, remember about five, six years ago, we had a big incident here in LA where an LAPD guy kind of went off the rails and was starting to kill everybody. And we hunted for him for like three weeks. He shot uh, a couple cops in Riverside and all my guys that were always advocates about, Oh, we don't need to worry about that. That's SWAT stuff. When I was teaching Adler horse, I was doing monthly maintenance and I teach them these SWAT tactics. And they were like, oh, we don't need that. I go, okay, well, you do. Well, come to find out, all of a sudden yeah. we have this huge manhunt, and they're taking random SWAT teams that don't have dogs assigned to them and a random canine guy from another department and put them together, married, and go, that's mm. your area to search. Nope. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's not uh, the time to, to, to no. you know, <laughs> that, figure out, oh, this doesn't work. Yeah. No, that is not, that is not the time to learn how to do that. <laughs> No. Yeah, to, to have your dog go, and so say, wait, of, I don't really like having someone lean over you. 
Yeah. A lot of full-time teams that, that run dogs on there, when they're kind of doing a, a flow, some of them do a flow through the house or through the structure off-leash, and then right. every guy in the team can direct the dog. Is that how you guys run it? So we train for that, but we don't run it like a uh, standard. So what our standard is, we only bite off what we can chew. So we'll start. It's very, very slow and methodic. Um, I'll come up. They'll call canine up to the front door. The, the scout will say, hey, I want to take the living room only. Do not let them go in the kitchen. Do not let them go in the back bedrooms. No problem. And we deploy from what we call the one-and-a-half position. So basically, I know uh, my scouts and my backups, the number one and two guy at the door, I know every one of their inseam sizes. I know whether they're circumcised or not. The reason I'm saying that is because normally their junk is on the back of my neck when I'm deploying the dog because all I have to do is be able to see where the dog's at. I don't, like you said, I don't need my gun out. I'd never have a gun out unless I'm using the laser or the light to direct the dog. Um, I'm a leash holder. So I'm up front what we call the one-and-a-half position, and I've got the backup out basically over top of me covering me as I deploy the dog in. I, I send the search tool in. He searches. I don't let him go too far. I recall him back out, tell him no, no alert. Team guy goes, okay, get in the rear with gear. I go to the back of the stack. Team makes the movement in, gets another foothold. Canine back up. All right, what do we want to do now? Okay, now we want to take the kitchen, or now we want to take the back bedroom. Okay, same thing. One and a half position, send the dog out. Kind of like a yo-yo. You send him out, bring him back. Hey, got no alert. Go to the back of the stack. Let the SWAT guys do their SWAT thing. And that's how we work whether it's a 60,000-square-foot warehouse or a 600-square-foot house. We work it the same way. We train, like you were saying, flow, though. After I went back to uh, uh, Fort Bragg, I was uh, back there. They asked me to come back and show them how, when the rules of engagement changed in the war, uh, they asked how we do surrounding call-outs because they were having to do that overseas. So they want to know the, how we do warrant services. So I went back and taught them. I go, hey, if I'm going to teach you the slow and methodic, I want you to teach me the run and gun stuff, how you flow through a house. They go, yeah, that's easy. So then I brought it back to my unit, and everyone was loving it. They're like, yeah, this is cool. We probably won't ever use it. And I go, yeah, but if we're ever searching in the middle of a house and all of a sudden gunfire erupts and now the dog's loose and you're going to one position of the house and I'm going to another, wouldn't you like the dog to have seen you in a position going, nope, Rivier, get out of here. I'm not the guy you're looking for. And everyone understood that. Mm. So it. It, it's just another another training tool. I always, my baseline is if you train to a level of 10 and you only have to deploy to a level of five, you never get caught short. So it's like fast opening out of a helicopter. Are we ever going to do it? Probably not. Do we practice it at least once every quarter? Absolutely. Just because, like in that incident I was talking about before with the manhunt, you never want to be caught short going, oh, shit, we never trained that before. Wrong time to say it when it's a real-life scenario. That's the business model of our high-risk deployment company, our HRD Police Canine. Yeah. Is, no, uh, I, I love your guys' HRD, man. This, Every, yep. And that's my, my, my so, motto. Yeah, train at this level that you'll never do. So that with my, at the yeah. highest level that you will do. I like with my local guys. Yeah, too, I love uh, Every time I see time. your guys' post, I go, every time I see your post, I'd like, Awesome. Now I don't have to come up with a snare this week. I've got it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and that's what like, I if, steal from and, you. You steal from someone else. Someone else steals from me. It's all the way around. We're all stealing exactly. from each other. It's great. Well, if everybody I, goes home with you tonight. 
if one of my handlers, one of my local handlers, especially tells me that they get a, that they have an apprehension and they come back to me and they're like, ah, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. I have fucked up somewhere and they got lucky. And right. I, if exactly. they come to me and they're like, oh, I wasn't sure it was going to happen. So they'll lay it out for me. Like, this is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened. And I'm like, and, and they're like, Oh, I posted up, made the announcements. I had somebody else make the announcements. And I'm like, and they're like, Oh, he was going to bite that motherfucker. That's for sure. And like, yeah. yeah, no, like they knew, like, I mean, and, and we had one recently that was a completely random, weird series of like lemony snicket, unfortunate events. And my handler was on the phone with his boss and, you know, the boss was like, do X, Y, and Z. And the handler said, yes, sir. And there was no question about what was going to happen. So he rolls up and is like, you know, this is what's going to happen. And, you know, the, the service, the, uh, the, the government agency that was there with him was like, yo, is this dog good with this or what? And they're like, yep, he's good. He did it two days ago. <laughs> so they, I mean, they were like, all right. And he, and he did, I mean, it, he, that the dog and the team performed policy and, you know, but they, <laughs> if it's a surprise, you've done something weird. Or wrong. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, no, my, my, no, my, fa- yeah, my favorite phone calls are those ones that, you know, that you get the call and they go, dude, you won't believe this. It was just like we had in scenario, the scenario training last week. The guy was hiding behind the corner that no one else had checked, and the dog, and I trust him. I'm like, yeah, that's why we do the scenario training. It's like, yep. that's exactly what we do the dog for. But it makes you feel good that the guys are using your training and, and being safe. Exactly. And, and, you know, I mean, in areas of the country, they're not as fortunate as being out on like in a large department like you're at. Because, I mean, like even where Eric's at, uh, officers aren't taught to um, clear buildings. Um, right. And I mean, like I, I mean, how many, 10 times a shift. I was going to say, like, how many alarm calls those dudes? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, how many like, yeah. like oh, we got to go clear this fucking building and they're not taught to fucking do it. That's something reserved for SWAT, which is kind of dumb. But I mean, at least here in Oklahoma, like that's kind of like our basic shit. It's like they teach you that stuff in cleat. But I mean, that isn't always the norm all over the country. So we get a lot of guys that show up to HRD, depending on where we're at in the country. And like they have no clue, like how to integrate with right. a team, how to work with guys or shit. They're like a tiny ass department. They're like I had to clear a building by myself. I'm like, all right, cool. I mean, you can do that with a dog. I mean, you know, <laughs> like you can do it safely. So, I mean... And it's kind of one of those, like, you know, what do you have to work with type things? And, you know, Eric and I get those and Ray get those, you know, comments all the time after those HRD seminars or after we kind of talk about one, like on the podcast or something. We're like, oh, you'll never guess what happened. This this exactly happened. And um, and we're like, yeah, well, I mean, we do it that way for a reason. So, like, we don't want you to be surprised. And if you're going to oh, yeah. be surprised, like, I don't want canine guys to be surprised. Everybody else... You know, I mean, everybody needs to kind of take some personal responsibility, but like, I don't want canine guys being surprised <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I never, I never want to hear suspect from one of my team guys after my dog's cleared a room. I never want to hear suspect. No, 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 no. My dog did not miss somebody. But right. we, you know, we have, we have everything in my SWAT canine lecture is things that we have screwed up. And by the grace of God, no one's gotten killed behind. Um, it's like using dogs to clear because we've all heard this, you know, the perimeter goes up. And you're, you're focused on one house, and you ask, hey, did anybody clear that yard over there? Oh, yeah, no, we were there within seconds. He's not in there. No, there's okay. no way he could be there. Mm-hmm. And I go over there, and I find the guy with my dog. And guys had been in that yard for the last hour and a half looking at the primary house with the guy behind them. Yeah. So, you know, you, you always just 
I never want to have a guy go, well, I didn't. That's why I started the, my whole business was because, so I started the SWAT canine school for LA County, but we only do two a year and we limit it to eight handlers. Well, to do a three-day course limited to eight handlers twice a year, you're on a three, four-year waiting list, you know, to come to our class. Yeah, so you guys right. were like, hey, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be out of time with my dog before I can ever get there. So I started my business um, so that I could travel and give them the same class, except the helicopter, unless they've got a helicopter to jump out of. But I give them the same exact class that I give them in L.A., but I come to them. Because my fear was I never wanted someone to call me and go, yeah, I was on the waiting list to get to your class, but, yeah, I got blown up before I ever got there. Or I got, mm. you know, ambushed or this. That, uh, I yeah. just didn't want that. So, yeah. so I, yeah, I offer it up to anybody. You know, if they want to fly me out, I'm <laughs> the funniest part is most people ask me, they go, are you sure? Because all my classes are the same. I don't care what it is. It's $150 a day per handler. Everyone goes, are you sure that's all? Yeah. I'm not trying to make money on it. I'm trying to keep guys alive. You, get, you, you give me a, a hotel room, $150 a day per person and some Bud Light Lime. I'm good. I'm your man. Bud Light Lime. Yes. <laughs> what? My doctor prescribed that for my, my rehab. It's it's got, got it. fruit in it. Got it. It's got lime. <laughs> it counts. So um, one of the big differences is um, and we've talked to we've talked about it with uh, uh, L.A. Uh, helicopter pilot too. One of the big differences on especially on this side of the country versus where you're at is everybody over here tracks with their patrol dogs. Does yeah. tracking? They do area yeah. searches and they do tracking, but. Out where you're at, that's not really a thing, if I remember right. No, not at all. Um, we have a couple of bloodhounds that we use for our real open uh, rural areas, desert. But down like in South Central and East L.A. and all these other places, the problem is we have to, and we tried a tracking program for about uh, eight, nine months, and it just didn't work for us. Our problem is we have to make a, I told you about all the announcements we have to make. Then we have to make door knocks. So let's let's go with that scenario. We start at house A. Dog tracks into the backyard, goes to the back fence. Dog alerts high. He went over this fence. I've got to go back out of that yard, go all the way around the block, knock on that door. Hey, ma'am, uh, our dog wants to search the backyard, blah, blah, blah. Then we have to send a patrol dog in to search first on an area search to make sure we aren't going to walk into the suspect. Then we have to bring the dog back up to pick up the track from where he came over the wall. And he goes one more yard over to another wall. He went over that wall. So now we have to go out of that yard, go over, do another door, and do the whole thing over again. It wasn't very uh, efficient for us. So what we do is we, we search A to Z. <laughs> yeah, if a guy goes into a – but see, we have the personnel to do this too, though. Oh, yeah. So a normal yeah, a normal yard-to-yard -yard search in a neighborhood for us – uh, is two, two and a half hours minimum. God. Now, that being said, I've got a minimum of, oh, dude, no, it gets better. <laughs> I've got a minimum of 16 personnel on my containment just holding containment spots for an unlimited amount of time. Mm -hmm. I can, doesn't matter, watch commanders not call me up going, hey, calls are pending, we got to break this. No, this is mine. I own this. So with 21 sheriff stations, mm -hmm. when one of our stations has a containment, what they do is they send two or three cars all the surrounding area agencies, all surrounding areas, they're all sheriffs, 
they come in, they take the containment spots, and the guys that were on containment in the first 15 seconds now get broke off to handle calls in their own city. So now this is my containment force for as long as I want them. Mm. Same thing with airship, unless, and that's why I said the nice thing about the helicopter pilots is we've worked with them all. Unless he tells me, hey, dude, I am timed out, I'm, I'm fueled out, I got to go, I've got a bird overhead dedicated for two, two and a half hours. So we're very blessed with that. But that being said, we don't miss people. If they're there, unless someone took them into their house, we find guys. Because we start at A, the downwind side, and we work all the way to Z. Every yard gets searched. We do two dogs minimum, back to back, so they can't crisscross on us, diagonally jump walls. Uh, we always start um, opposed searching, which means, you know, whichever dog's on the downwind side starts first, so we aren't, you know, alerting on our own team members from the other team. And we will search. Mm-hmm. Yard to yard, the entire block, all 15, 16 yards. And then if we don't find them there, we'll get a direction of travel and we'll lock down another neighborhood and go to that one. Yeah, so, we interviewed. Yeah, we're, we're uh, very unique and blessed. We interviewed Jack um, from uh, LAPD. Uh, he was a canine guy, then went to the, uh, he was a air tactical air advisor. Then he was a pilot. Um, but he is like the okay. fucking containment guru guy from LAPD. And I'm sure you don't know him. Oh yeah. But, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. No, so, I, yeah. Uh, it was a fucking awesome podcast. But when he was talking about the containment stuff, which I wanted to have him on for that, because, you know, he talks about, you know, working for one of the largest law enforcement agencies in the fucking world. And how it's like, oh, you used to do this, 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 and this. And I'm like, cool. You got 900 dudes working at one, or I'm sorry, people working at one time. Yeah, you can do that. But if you're on, you know, a tiny right. ass county where Eric or I, or, you know, a majority of the country live, it's like, all right, so what do you do? And he had some great strategies for, you know, if you're at a small, like rural area, like how you run containment and how you run radio traffic and all that other shit. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear, like, if you've got personnel, I mean, you're going to find them. (laughs) I mean, Oh yeah. And a lot of times, even with 16, 18 dudes, you still need the dog to find them because they'll stand there and look at the house the entire time. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're very unique in, in that, in that aspect. The other thing, so I want to talk about something that's just kind of a little controversial to a lot of handlers is um, you guys, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys are a lot more liberal on use of the dog on known armed people. Um, yes. Or, you know, highly suspect that they're armed when, yes. you know, most people that we deal with, most agencies that we talk to are like, if they know they're armed, dog is up the dog is gone it's just a gun call now um kind of get into that for us if you don't mind sure sure now and and let me let me start it with i am not advocating suicide by asshole i will not send my dog into mm-hmm. a gun problem so one of my biggest things is that's not a dog problem that's a gun problem fix it a lot of SWAT guys you know because they get so dependent on on the dogs go hey Brent, let's let's send the dog up and no, he's got a gun. I'm not sending my dog against a guy with a machete, against a guy with a gun, against anything else. Now, you soften him up with a 40, get him to drop the shit? No, I talk about sending the dog. But in the unknown, in the search of the man, that's a different story. I would lose 100 dogs to gunfire on an unknown find rather than losing one officer. That's just the way it is. And we accept that. We, we view our dogs as tools, and I don't. 
And I know I piss people off when I say this, but um, these guys that have dogs that, you know, live in their house and they have, you know, doggy pedicures and dog aromatherapy sessions and all this other stuff, you got to be prepared to let that dog go and do his job and possibly die to save the guy next to you that still owes you 50 bucks and won't, won't ever pay you the money. Yeah, exactly. But that's the way it is. That's just the way it is. So on an unknown find where we don't know where the suspect now, so my idea of the dog is a locating tool. Once the dog locates them, I'm done. I'm going to go sit and smoke a cigarette and see what's in the fridge because I've done my job. Now, if you need him for a use of force in the continuum, I got that. That's fine. So in a yard-to-yard situation, man with a gun, let's, let's say so. One of the big things we get is a uh, guy runs from the car. They didn't see a gun, but there's loose ammunition or a holster or something that leads us to believe the guy was armed when he ran. Or dude's been arrested before a with a gun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's absolutely a dog call. And we will search yard-to-yard off-leash because all of our searches are off-leash. The only time we, ser- we use the uh, leash on the dog is for SWAT deployments for, like, barricaded suspects and vehicles, things like that. We don't rush up to the cars anymore. We don't rush up to the, to the structures. We uh, launch the dog on a long line. Dog grabs them, and we pull them back to us to behind cover. So when we're talking about yard-to-yard searches, looking for an unknown suspect that's armed, the dog goes around the corner, gunshots heard, dog goes down. Okay, well, he located him. It sucks to say that, but it's better than an officer looking with, you know, flashlights and a gun. And it's safer for not only the suspect, but the officers also, because you've got some of these guys that, so I've got 10,000 deputies on my department. Some of these guys were F-80 SEALs, they're Rangers, they, you know, were hunter killer studs. And some of these guys just were scooping ice cream at thrifties and need to go back to scooping ice cream at thrifties. It's just the way it is. When you have 10,000 deputies, yep. you've got both sides of the spectrum. Um, and we have, you know, both sides. So if I'm going to send three nervous Nelly officers in or deputies in looking for a guy who might be armed and makes a furtive movement and all three of these guys nut up and open up on him, it's just like shoot. We thought he was armed. He made a furtive movement, blah, blah, blah. But it turns out it was a cell phone or a wallet which we had about 10 years ago. We had a rash of wallet and cell phone shootings in our department. At that point in time, our department went to a strict policy, for, which was awesome for us. You shall not chase a suspect into a backyard by yourself. You will stop, set a containment up, and call canine. Dude, our work oh. went through the roof, which was awesome. Well, yeah. But it eliminated, <laughs> it eliminated the officer-involved shootings you know, state of mind shootings, which I'm not saying anything about good or bad. I'm not trying to, to, you know, stomp on anybody for a shooting, but it raised our, our, our deployments as canine, which was awesome for us. And it kind of, you know, made, made the patrol guys feel like, well, I can't do my job. Well, no, you can do your job. Just do it safer. So if I send three nervous Nellies in the yard and they get in a shooting, the first thing they're going to ask those guys is why didn't you request canine? Why didn't you let the dog go in there and find him first? Dog's not going to kill him. He's going to bite him. If he doesn't have a gun, okay, we'll fi- we'll figure out something. But you're not going to have to shoot guy. Yeah. So. Yep, that definitely gets your numbers up for sure. <laughs> for sure, and oh, that's yeah. something I no, talk our, about a yeah, lot. Our, our work went up. I mean, that's something we talk about a lot. Because a lot of, I mean, like Eric says it too, like the myth of liability. 
And I, and I say this as a joke, and if you're an admin listening to this and they're like, if you're worried about the liability of a dog biting somebody, wait till you fucking shoot someone. <laughs> you can, and Eric said it last episode or two episodes ago, like he's never been called to a grand jury for biting anybody. So <laughs> well, uh, that, I, doesn't, I, that doesn't I, happen. Yeah, my rights read to me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and, and I'll tell you, I've been in federal court before. I've been sued federally once or twice. I know it's hard for you guys to believe, but... Um, yeah. When you have all the established policies that we already have in place, it's easy to defend that, that this is a less lethal tool. I could have gone looking for this guy with a gun in my hand, and if he had made a further movement, I could have shot him. But instead, I used the dog, and the dog bit him, and he got some scars and went to jail without, you know, stopping breathing. Without getting and the shot. Jury went, yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. And especially when we tell him how many announcements we do and all the, you know, hoops and, and crap that we go through to, to even deploy the dog. And the jury looked at it. It took like 30 minutes. The jury came back and went, yeah, no, I don't think so. You should have given up. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, they had their chance. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah. we and, I mean, we're it, back it, where we're at. They, nobody still, over here, even with um, the announcements that we do, uh, it's, it's universal. They always claim they didn't hear it and, you guys definitely go oh, yeah. way above. <laughs> way above. Oh, dead people here, one, LA, LASD's announcement. <laughs> you got dead people I've, saying, yeah, I've I got heard a guy. <laughs> no, I've got, I've got even one better. Because we have news cameras here all the time, right? We've always got, you know, we're live at five all the time. Oh, yeah. And I've got a news chopper overhead of me. I've got a guy that's in a doghouse in the middle of this yard. The homeowner saw him running in the doghouse. He's hiding in the doghouse. I'm on the PA system. 20 feet from the doghouse on the PA going, dude, I see you in the doghouse. I know you're in there. Come out now. Come out now. They've got this all on the channel five news, just live at five. He won't come out. I try to fly him aside. Nothing. Okay. Well, I'm not going to walk up on him because he's supposed to have a gun. So I send the dog and he claimed, Oh, I was asleep the whole time. I didn't hear anything. Which <laughs> was sleeping the dog. perfect. Cause sleeping the channel five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 20 feet from oh. from the PA that's that's blasting, yeah. Asleep in a doghouse. Even uh, Channel 5 would be like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Asleep in a I mean, fucking doghouse. Dog <laughs> and those, those are your jurors, though. Those are the people that, you know, are the right. jury right. when these I mean, guys make these frivolous lawsuits and they go, no, that that's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, and that's it. And I and I tell that joke, or not the joke, but I, I say that I'm like, you know, LA County and LAPD, like they make announcements from fucking helicopters, and then after you bite somebody, you go and interview everyone you woke up, and they're like, "Did you hear the announcement?" They're like, "Yeah, you fucking woke me up." And you're like, "Okay, well, everybody oh, yeah. in the block, everybody in the block heard it, so we got 35 witnesses that heard the announcement, but the one dude that didn't is the guy that got nailed." <laughs> like, well, right. <laughs> you're a heavy sleeper or you're deaf. Oh, wow. I mean, <laughs> you're fucking Helen Keller. <laughs> I don't know who you're looking for. So somebody in an addict can't hear, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but So, uh, awesome. Darryl, so, you've talked a couple of bit about your, um, now you're almost retired, uh, your, yes, your consulting stuff. So where can people find that? Okay. So, um, it's paraclete. Canine. It's P A R A C L E T E Canine. And uh, I'm on the web. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. It's either my name or the company name. It'll come up. 
Yeah, we'll put it in the show and, notes. Uh, so it'll, be, it'll be clickable. If you're listening to this, just scroll down to iTunes or Google Play, and you can click right on the link. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. And like I yeah. said, I, I started the company. It was funny. Um, guys would, you know, they were on the waiting list. So they like, hey, dude, could you just, like, come and teach two or three of us? We'll pay in, like, beer and pizza. I'm like, yeah, no problem. You know, because these are all buddies of mine. That, you know, I, I worked at Alahorse, and I was doing their maintenance training. So they'd pick a day, and we'd go out, and we'd do dog training for eight or ten hours. Hurt my feelings. And they'd pay me in beer and pizza. And then after a while, my wife's like, hey, there's enough cases of beer in the fridge and in the garage. You need to start getting paid. And then yeah, one, one department fat, says, hey, so. oh, God, yeah. That's just, yeah, being injured sitting at home, dude, trust me, it's killing me. So uh, anyway, one of the agencies says, we want to we want to pay you with a P.O. I'm like, what the hell is a P.O.? Because I didn't know anything. I don't have a business. I'm not, you know, I was never in there for the money. He goes, yeah, it's a P.O., you know, purchase order. I'm like, shit. Uh, so I had to figure out how to do that. So I had to get a business bank account. And then to do that, then I had to have a business license. And then I got a website. And then before I knew it, because I wasn't planning on starting this business until I was fully retired. And I started the business years ago, and it blew up. And I don't do any advertising. This is the first actual, oh, yeah. you know, other than mouth-to-mouth, -mouth, you know, uh, advertising. Most most of my uh, clients are, someone will come do my training, then they'll go back to the training group, and everyone's like, holy shit, where was that asshole dog that you used to have, and why is he under control now? Uh, <laughs> Daryl. That's yeah. honestly, you know, I don't, I don't do any yeah. advertising, so... And it blew up on me to the point where I was having a turnaway business, which I hate doing. And now um, when I'm injured, I can't do anything Monday through Friday to five because of labor laws with my uh, workers comp. So I've been turning down work for last year, but in March, hopefully I'll be up and running hundred percent. I've been doing here and there. I've been doing just on Saturdays and Sundays, like certification, decaller classes, uh, laser you know, directional stuff like that, but I haven't done any of the SWAT canine stuff for the year. So hopefully in March that'll all change. So hopefully I'll get some business. Yeah. Well, if you're listening to this and this is going to publish in November. So, um, Third, yeah, I, I mean, no, it, November 13th. Yeah. I don't know. No, November 13th. Cause we got, yeah. um, backstreet on the third. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so if you're listening to this, he'll be fully retired in March. <laughs> so there you go. You yeah. don't have anything and to do. Wait, departments work. It'll take. Yeah. Oh no, I still got the granddaughters. Trust me, I, I got to oh, yell no. and scream at them to keep swimming. No, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I got more uh, hits off of that than I got off any of my canine stuff. It was hilarious. <laughs> Eric, uh, where are you? Van S Canine on Facebook. Van S K nine on Instagram. Um, and if you like cute dogs, Van S doggy daycare. Um, also we are on the, uh, Patreon working dog radio, right? Patreon account or, uh, subscription account. There's pretty good. We're going to do a lot of stuff. I love your post of your doggy daycare. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah your doggy daycare yeah, posts are great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, uh, it's funny. The, um, the girls there are really good at the picture taking stuff because I'm, I'm like in and out of there so much. They're like, I'm. You're so busy. I'm like, yeah, but you guys cleaned up like nine thousand piles of shit today outside. Um, so you're way <laughs> yeah. better than I am. Way better. <laughs> I'll be like, how do you poop so much? 
So, but anyways, how about you, Ted? Yeah. Where are you at? Uh, Ted underscore Summers on Instagram, and then Torchlight Canine, letter K number nine on the interwebs and on Instagram, and then the podcast uh, has its own Facebook page and Instagram page, Working underscore Dog underscore Radio, where you can find all the contests and stuff. And like Eric mentioned, we got the uh, Patreon account. Uh, I'm working on a entirely long video for how I teach that popper exercise where we enter great the uh the island exercise where we do the bjj stuff into it um i didn't realize that was going to be such a big thing um everybody loves it when we do it at hrd so um i've seen the guys at pen vet and then a couple of other guys start to incorporate it so um that's nice to see that everybody is like leveling up which is good which is kind of the point of this whole exercise anyway yeah. but yeah so um other than that, Daryl, this has been fantastic. It's been a long time in the making. It's been really fucking tag forever. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I, yeah. I really appreciate it, guys, and I, I really yeah. love uh, your your posts and uh, your insightful comments on a lot of the stuff for these new handlers. So that's yeah. all about trying to keep these guys alive. Cool. Yeah. You guys Absolutely. do a great job. All right, brother. Thank you for your time. Thank you, man. Yeah, we appreciate, you got appreciate it. it. Absolutely. We'll talk all to right, you soon. Bud. We'll see you guys. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Our very first sponsor, our most loyal guy, is Arno over at ALM Suits and Canine Equipment. I love his tugs, his suits, everything he's got going on. His hidden sleeve is yeah. legit. His trainer yeah. sleeves, all that stuff, man. We get a lot of stuff from Arno. When you call, he's the guy that answers the phone. He's a one-man operation, kicking ass over there. He's over in Vegas. If you're in town, hook him up and check him out. Ted, talk about his website and discount code. It's uh, ALM. K9, the letter K number nine, equipment.com. That's ALMK9equipment.com. If you use the discount code WDR radio, it'll give you 10% off your first order as long as it's not a suit. He has, I just saw recently too that he's got those uh, super thin hidden Kevlar sleeves back in stock. Uh, those are the ones that Eric and I got as a prototype, and uh, we both love those things, and they've become kind of the go to thing for a lot of the hidden sleeve guys like PSA for the carjacking. And it's what we use for a lot of the scenarios you see where we use super thin equipment, we're rolling around wrestling with handlers. But uh, keeps you protected, keeps the dog engaged, lasts for quite a while, fits well too. So ALMK9Equipment.com. Yes, one of our very, very first sponsors of the podcast before we even recorded an episode is the guys out in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania at Bravo 3 and at Tripwire. Uh, we love those guys. They do a fantastic job of training the modern law enforcement and first responder. And that's what Bravo 3 is really all about. It's about an, a combination of SWAT, canine, Bomb EOD, fire, hazmat, TAC med, and SOF first responder guys. Everybody gets together to share information. So you've got a lot of people there that are really, really good at what they do, including Eric and I. We're going to be instructors. When is it, Eric? It is October 26th through the 29th in Gettysburg. You can sign up at bravo-3.com, www.bravo-3.com. Come see us, man. Come hang out. We'll have a good time. Yep. I want to take two seconds and talk about the entrance and exit music that everybody hears here, which is kind of an important part of the entire thing we do. The artist, Brother D, has been extremely gracious in letting us use this music, and I want everybody to go hit him up. And if he comes to town, go see him. Go buy his shirts and go buy his CDs. It's Brother D, D-E-G-E dot net. All of his new music's up there. You can get it on the same place that you're listening to this. You can get it on iTunes, you can get it on Google Play, or you can order it straight from his website. But go hit him up. He's a great dude, super gracious, and if you get a chance, go see him live. You got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was great.
producers are granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E, dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Duck Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.